Well, join me in your Bible in Proverbs chapter 29. Who was that in that kid line that said Proverbs? Amen. Well, here we are. Proverbs chapter 29. As we uh, uh, begin to get in the Word today, I just, I just, you know, I gave my life finally, wholeheartedly to God. I think it was 1990. Well, it was late 1992. And I'm so glad I did. And I wish I hadn't to get, I wish I hadn't to let myself had to get so low and so pathetic and so pitiful and covered up with darkness and sin before I finally decided to look up. Amen. If God doesn't have your life, if God doesn't have your heart, give, give your life to Him, please. He loves you so much. Since that day, God's just done nothing but help me. Nothing, that, nothing but bless me. Amen. Amen. My first date with uh, Amber was uh, March 27, 1993. So it was just months after I finally really, really gave my heart and life to Jesus that God brought maybe the greatest earthly blessing into my life. Amen. And she just been, we've just been a thing for all that time and uh, going strong. And anyway, I don't know why I'm on this, but God, want, God longs and he deserves your heart. And don't, don't go all the way to the bottom before you decide to humble yourself. Amen. It's a blessed life. The Christian life is a blessed life. It's not the easiest life. I mean, it's not, it's going to get you to heaven. That's the only life that's going to get you to heaven is the Christian life. All of the life leads to death and torment and destruction, pain. and You just don't want that. Amen? So I encourage you. God loves you. Don't resist Him. And don't kick against His dealings with you. Right? He's going to deal with all of us. Don't kick against His dealings with you. Just yield to Him. Yield to him. You yield to him and then you stick around long enough to find out the outcome of your having yield to him. You'll go, oh, thank God. Like the woman. She yielded. And she was gone for seven years. But I guarantee you when she walked back and saw the destruction and the dryness and the cracked ground and the suffering, she goes, oh, thank God, thank God I, I yielded myself. And then when the king said, give her everything back, pay her, it's really all men, right? Praise God. You know, uh, Kenneth E. Hagin, he used to say, he used to say a lot of things, and I'm grateful for everything he said. But uh, one of the things he said, he says, you know, God doesn't pay every Friday at 5. But he does pay. He does pay. And it's worth sticking around for payday, for reward day. Amen. Amen. Well, Father, we approach your word with excitement, with expectation, with reverence. We know that, God, you gave it to us for instruction, for correction, for reproof, uh, for the feeding of our faith and the renewing of our mind. And we're here for all of that today. Make us better than we are. Mold us and shape us by the, uh, what I pray will be the spirit-inspired and, and aided along help of the preaching of the word as I preach it, Father. You come upon me to make me an able minister of the New Testament. And Father God, I thank you that they're good ground for this seed, good ground for this word to go into their life, their mind, their heart. 
And that, God, that they'll, they'll take the principles, they'll take what is said and taught and spoken, and they will be doers of it. And as they're doers of it, then they're going to get to enjoy the fruit of it. And so I'm, I'm, I'm jealous for the people's blessing and their, their advancement today. Father, help me in that. And Father God, I'm also aiming at you being magnified and lifted up and glorified in all that's done and all that's said. Help us in all of that. We receive it by faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, for those of you that were able to be with us on Wednesday night, I, uh, I delivered a message that God gave me that I entitled, The Importance and the Power of Vision. How many of you were you, you, there for that? Okay. So uh, I just don't feel like I'm done with that. Uh, amen. And so uh, I can't go back and restate everything that we said on Wednesday night, but the message is out there. It's free, and free means no excuse, right? So YouTube, Facebook, podcast, wherever you find us, uh, get on there and feed on that. I've listened to it myself, and uh, it's good stuff. But we're going to continue on with that today. What is that? The importance and the power of vision. Amen. So uh, our text scripture is Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 18. I encourage you to bring a Bible that you can mark in. Praise God. If you've got like an antique Bible, you know, then you need to leave that at home in a case where you can look at it. But bring you one that you can highlight and mark in. Glory to God. I'll never forget Dr. Dufresne's testimony. My spiritual father, he got saved on a Sunday morning. Of course, he was raised Catholic if he was anything. And he said, well, what do I do now? And they said, well, we're having service tonight. Bring your Bible and come back tonight. So all he had was that big white Catholic Bible, that big massive thing that just sat on the family coffee table. So he scooped that up and brought that with him. Can you imagine? It's like this big, you know, picture Bible, Catholic Bible, got the Apocrypha in it and everything. And he marches into that assembly of God's church. They all freaked out, freaked out, and gave him a paper, paperback King James Bible. And off he went, you know, and changed the world. Praise God. And uh, anyway, enough of that. Hallelujah. And uh, so anyway, here in Proverbs 29 and verse 18, you guys got me all in a good way, a good atmosphere. I may have a little fun with you today. <laughs> praise God. Amen. I don't know how we'll do that, but we'll try. So praise the Lord. And uh, it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But happy is he that keeps the law, or he that keepeth the law, or the word of God, happy is he. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise God. Listen to this from a, a couple of different renderings. The Amplified says, where there is no redemptive revelation of God, the people perish. Amen? We need to have a revelation. Now, you understand that some people come to church and get information, and that's fine. Praise God. But God's got a higher level that he would have his people attain to, and that's revelation. The difference between information affects the mind. Revelation, it changes the person. You know, even biblical information won't change the heart, won't affect the spirit. You have to let the word of God become alive in you, live in you. And when, when a truth from God dawns on your inner man and you receive it and won't let go of it, you're a different person. You're a different woman. You're a different person. 
And God wants us to have revelation. And so he said, where there is no redemptive revelation, where there's no revelation about redemption. Redemption means to ransom. It means to buy back. And through Adam's sin, the entire human race was sold into sin, sold into the curse, sold into a demonic oppression, and all that goes with that, sickness, disease, tragedy, all of that that goes with that. Amen? But Jesus redeemed us. He bought us. He purchased us. Not with silver or gold, but with the shedding of His own blood. He bought us and forgave us. And He won for us an inheritance that includes victory in every area, a sound mind, amen, a wonderful marriage, praise God, a healthy body. Amen. Finances, divine protection, the ministry, it just goes on and on and on. We have to have redemptive revelation, revelation of what he did for us or we're going to perish. Amen. Amen. So, so I like that. We need to keep that in mind. The Lexham English translation says, where there is no prophecy, people cast off restraint. Now, I like this rendering true because we groups... Churches, God's people as a whole, but individual Christians and families need to hear from God. I said we need to hear from God. There needs to be a prophetic voice, amen, that is moving in our life so that we don't cast off restraint. I was working out yesterday and a a fellow I know walked up and gave me his business card. I didn't ask him, but he gave it to me, and I, I accepted. On the back, he wrote a handwritten note. It says, discipline is the bridge between your goals and accomplishment. I thought, okay. Amen. You know, there needs to be a voice that's going to show you a future and give you a path. You know, because if not, if without a vision, you don't have discipline. Human beings to be disciplined need something worthy to aim at that makes it worth turning down fleshly indulgences. There's a lot of things in life that we as Christians are called to put down and mortify and crucify. Amen? But there's an aim. There's a reason. You know, uh, uh, Olympic athletes, they willingly put, put great restraints on their life. For years. And what motivates them not to eat the donut, to get up at three in the morning, to go to the skating rink, to go lift weights, to go run, to go do whatever they're going to do, to hire a coach and spend all that money, is because they have a vision. They have a goal. Amen? And what this verse is saying is that every single one of us need to have a prophetic vision. We need to have a goal that will motivate us not to do wrong, that will motivate us to put our flesh down, that will, because, you know, it's worth it to me, all the training, all the things God says, I want this done, I want that changed, I want you to cut this out of your life, I want you to start doing this. One of the things that makes it all worth it is doing that is taking me somewhere. I am going somewhere. And if I'll stay with it, and if you'll stay with it, we'll arrive somewhere great. Amen. So the vast majority of any human being, but it's true, it's, it's true with Christians, they, uh, they get to the end of their earthly life and it's a place of disappointment. It's a place of regret. It's a place 
that is not marked with blessing and prosperity. It's not glorifying. How did they get there? They got there by pursuing something every day that was not God's plan. And every one of us in this room, uh, you've got the ability to make sure that you're not on that path. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans that I have for you. Plans to do you good. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Listen to this. And to bring you to an expected end. So God wants to start something with you. He started something with me back in 1992. Drunken suicidal at a frat party. He started something with me. Why did it start that day? Because that's the day I decided to let him in. That's the day I decided to die and let him live. That's the day I decided to let him be boss of my life. Amen. But from that day, glory to God, and even in his mind, from the foundation of the world, he saw your life. He saw my life. Amen. All my days, the Bible says, are written in his book. And he wants, if I'll follow that path, he wants to bring me one day to an expected end. I'll arrive there. And to get there, we must have discipline and restraint and focus. And what's going to give us that? The Bible says vision. Vision. Everyone say vision. And without it, people perish. The New American Standard says the people are unrestrained. My favorite is the God's Word translation, I think. It says, where there is no prophetic vision, people run wild. Pastor Wayne, that's why eventually you become the pastor of this church. You need to hear from God and as, as, as God would lead you, set a vision. What's the vision? What's the, what are we doing here? Where are we going as a church? What is the mandate? See, I know in pastoring here for over 20 years, years, God has spoken to me three different times about three different defining statements that this church is to be about. Number one, this church lives to equip people, to train and equip and empower them spiritually and in every arena to win, to win, amen, and to walk out God's plan, amen. Number two, God said, I need a church. I want your church to be a beacon of the supernatural. For the, for the region and the world. In other words, uh, God wants to have a people who will allow him move in signs, wonders, and miracles so that he can tell everybody in this generation, I'm still alive, I'm still as powerful, amen, and willing to move in people's lives as I ever was. That's a mandate on this church. You're not interested in signs and wonders. You're in the wrong church. You just want to get tickled with a little sermonette, be out of here in 25 minutes, 35 minutes. That's you, you, I'll, see me after church, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a name. <laughs> Where you can get a little sermon.com, little fake smoke, light show, feel good. Uh, anyway, get me off on that. I'm, I'm not supposed to be on that today, so praise God. That's just not this church. That's not the vision. I said, that's not the vision. Hallelujah. Well, the third thing he said, he said, okay, I, I want your church to lift the standard. Yep. Lift it. Yeah. Lift it, not lower it. Lift it. Lift the standard. Amen. Amen. See, these are, this is, that's part of the vision of this church. Amen. If you can't catch a hold of that, then uh, God bless you. I'm not sure what you're going to do while you're here. Amen. Praise God. So I'm going to repeat just a statement or two that I, I want to from Wednesday. You know, vision will either give you a life or a death sentence. How you see your future will either minister life or death to you. 
Why do people commit suicide? No vision. The vision they have is a life they don't want to live. And they perish because they don't have a vision. They're tired of the life that it's been. And that's all they see coming. And they don't want that. So they take their own life. It's a very selfish thing to do. But it's an unnecessary thing to do. Because it does not matter how dark and bad things are. It does not matter how bad you failed or messed up your life. God has a plan. (laughs) God invented lemons, but he invented lemonade. He can make something sweet out of something sour. If your life feels sour, you don't like waking up. There's nothing motivating you and driving you to get up out of bed. You need to get before God and get a vision because God's got a vision to give you, honey. He's got a plan for your life. Amen. You walk with God very long, you'll have this sense. One of my mottos is life is an adventure. Life is an adventure. I don't know what God's going to tell me to do tomorrow, but it's going to be whatever. I'm going. I'm taking the walk with him. I'm going to climb the mountain. Amen. I'm going to take the twisty slide. I'm going to jump on the zip line with God. I'm going to live my life as God intended me to live it. It's the best life. The best life. Amen. So your vision will either give you life, minister life, or death to you. Vision is that powerful. Vision will keep you alive. You know, Joshua and Caleb, they were part of that generation that uh, God said I, he wanted to kill all the Hebrews of that generation because of their doubt and disobedience and rebellion and unbelief. Moses interceded for them. And he says, all right, I pardoned them according to your word. Aren't you glad they had a man of God that would intercede for them? But he said, okay, but here's the deal. Uh, they're going to get exactly what I heard them say. They're going to die in this wilderness. And everybody 20 years and up is going to die within the next 40 years. Well, Joshua and Caleb were in that that sentence group, but God spared them because they had faith. They had faith. But that that other generation's disobedience delayed Caleb's destiny for 40 years. But he never lost the vision. He went from 45 to 85. So what he would call your best years, your prime years, he spent walking around in the sand, walking around in the sand. What kept him alive? The vision. God said, he's going to spare me and I'm going to see that land. When the time finally came, he was 85. He was 85 years old. I'm talking about your vision will keep you alive. He was 85 years old and he said, give me my mountain. It is my time. It is time for us to go in. I am ready to lay hold of what I've been waiting on all this time. And listen what God did for him. He said, I'm as strong now and ready for war today at 85, as I was when I was 40. And he said, my ears have not grown dim. My eyes have not grown dim. God has kept me. Well, what kept him? God kept him, but God kept him in a vision of the future he wanted. Amen. It's one of the great benefits and advantages I have over some Christians is I have a glimpse. I have, a, 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 I have an idea of what the promised land for me and my ministry looks like. And I want it. And I want it. 
And when God says, you've got a bad attitude, you need to change that. If you want to go there, then I go, well, I want to go there. So I'll work on my attitude. You help me. Are you with me? There's a lot of things that God talks to me about, about my flesh that I don't like. Amen. But I want to get where I'm going. And you can have, every single Christian should have that sense of destiny about them. If you don't, you need to do some business with God and make that happen. And I'm going to, I'm going to, we're going to advance a little bit that today to help you. Amen. Praise God. Vision has everything to do with what you and God are making happen. What are you making happen? What are you making happen? You and God. Praise God. See, if you can't answer, that's okay. Just, just stay quiet and smile. Nobody, know that, nobody will know that you were deficient in that. But you need to make a mental note and not forget it. You need to get to the place where you can answer. A minister I, I was listening to, he said this. I love this. He said, I don't focus on the past. It's done. He said, I don't focus too much on my present. I'm already there. I'm already here. He said, I live dealing with my future. That's where I live. I love that. I do not focus on the past. I do not focus too much on my present. I'm already there. I focus on what I want. See, are you even in touch with what you want? You, God cannot bring you what you don't even know that you want. You'd be surprised how many Christians are totally out of touch with what they want. So caught up in the rat race of life. The Monday through the Friday. The rat race of life. Making sure the bills are paid. Putting food on the table. La, 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 la. That they're totally out of touch with what they want. They don't dream. They don't aspire. They don't imagine. Adult life in America has burned that fire out of them. Distractions, weights, pressures, the pursuit of materialism. The sense of feeling trapped. I'm too old. Too much time has gone by. I've made too many mistakes. All these lies. And then you get zombie-like human beings that are just trying to get through another 24-hour cycle. And that is sad. I said, that is sad for a people who have the creator living on the inside of them. I'm telling you from God, dream. Dream. Imagine. Get in touch with what you want. Pastor, I don't know that I could accept that. I have a scripture for you from Jesus. Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty four, 24, what things soever you desire, believe you receive them, what? The things you desire and you shall have them. So if you're not in touch with what you want, I said, if you're not in touch with what you want, he can't do anything. You know, Amazon only comes to my door when I tell him what I want. That's a good word. I need to preach that again. Don't forget that illustration. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Amazon never comes to my door unless I tell them what I want. But when I tell them what I want, they bring it. I got something coming on Wednesday. Happy birthday to me. 
Pastor Nancy orders something from Amazon every day. She said, every day. She said, I like coming home to a box. Well, she's in touch with what she wants. Amen. I'm going to harp on this until I hit, uh, hit pay dirt. Do you know what you want? God cannot do for you what you don't even know that you want. I want a pain-free body. Amen. I will not accept an aching, creaking oh, body. No. I know God paid for more than that. Amen. Praise God. I want a full Easy, free-flowing, abundant supply of finances for me and my family. I want that. And my God shall. My God shall supply. Glory to God. But what it's really at is when you begin to surrender your life to God and you say, Father, I want my wants to be in harmony with your wants. Now you're really going someplace. Amen? All of this I've said so far, I'm just trying to stir you to understand that without a vision, that's why you don't have discipline. That's one of the reasons why you don't have discipline is you don't have a God-given goal that is worthy enough in your heart to be disciplined for. Amen. Glory to God. God does not want you living. He wants you living life worth living. Amen. Let's go to uh, Joshua. Oh, I like this. Y'all ever listen to Bill Winston? He's, when he gets excited, he's got this little laugh. <laughs> I kind of feel like that, but I can't do the laugh. Joshua chapter 6. This is so good. Title of my message this morning. And I know what? I know I've been preaching, so don't, don't get nervous. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. The title of my message this morning is C. S-E-E with an exclamation point. What is vision? It's time for me to go do my annual eye exam so that they'll give me contacts. You know, that's a scam that they do, you know. They you got to pay them so much money so that they can give you a prescription on contacts I know that are just fine. Why can't you just give me the contacts I need? I'm seeing. But anyway, they, they got to get their piece. they got to get their piece of the pie. Well, you know, so they're going to do all these tests on me and they're going to do all this stuff and what? They were just, vision is important. You know, Jesus said something about the danger of not having vision. He said, stay away from some people. They're blind. They're blind. What they teach is dark. It's blind. Amen. He said, blind people ought not lead blind people. What's going to happen? Both will end up in the ditch. See, without a vision, you know where you're headed? To the ditch. Without a vision, you're living blind. You know where you're heading? To the ditch. You know where you're leading everybody that's following you? Into the ditch. Into the ditch. Don't do that to them. Don't do that to your family, husbands. Come on, have a vision. Don't do that to your employees. Where are you going? I guarantee you, as far as God's taking your business, He wants to take it further. He will make it like this and go like that. Praise God. Amen. You know, I'd like to build us a building. It's probably going to cost a lead. Minimum, 
$2.5 million. What do we need that for? So we can stretch out when we want to eat and have a meal instead of being up and down the hallway. That's what I want. You know, that's what God wants. You God lets you bless your business. That'd be easier to pay for. You need to catch a vision. Amen. So here in Joshua chapter 6. Verse 1, it says, Now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Oh, what did he say? Okay, that was about five people in the auditorium. If you don't have your Bible out, you can look up on the screen, cheater, cheater. And the Lord said unto Joshua, What did he need? This is his first assignment. This is the first thing. This is the moment. They're about to cross the Jordan. His tenure uh, for leading Israel is about to begin. And what is the first thing God needed him to do? See. see. What do you need to do? See. You need to see. See where God wants to take you. See where God wants you to end up. See what, you, what he wants to conquer through your life. Before you start it, you're supposed to see it. See is what he said. He wants you to see. Then what does he say next? He says, see, I have given. He didn't say I'm about to give. He didn't say I'm going to give. He didn't say, I, I will give. He says, I have given. So the first thing we need to do is to see what he has already done in my life. I need to see. See, he's already seen the end of the Chris Cody movie. He's already seen it. Amen. And he wants me to see it. He, you, you need to see. This is what I mean. You need, what is faith? Faith sees. Faith sees the body healed while the pain still exists. You need to see the debt gone while the bills are still coming. You need to see yourself promoted and in a higher income before it ever shows up. You've got to see it so God can do it. He needs your faith. I said he needs your faith. He doesn't need your help. He needs your faith. And faith has got to, you've got to see your mind peaceful. You've got to see yourself victorious. You've got to see yourself in the family dynamic that you dreamed about that God has for you. You need to see yourself preaching to thousands if that's what's in your heart. You need to see yourself doing what God called you. See yourself living in that big old house that's too big for you. See yourself. See yourself instead of cleaning all the time. You're praying instead of cleaning because someone's cleaning the house for you. See it. God did not need Joshua or Israel's help to get the walls down. What he did need was for Joshua to see it. Woo, you got to be able to see. And as you go into 2024, you need to have a desire to see, to see out ahead. Every prophet is called a seer. God put a whole gift in the body of Christ and all he does is see. And he's supposed to tell the body of Christ what he sees. Amen. Okay, Father, I will. 
one man I was listening to him and he said, you need to listen to this, you know, and, and I do, I do uh, consider him a real bona fide time-tested prophet. And, and he said, I, God visited him. And he said, there, he said uh, America is in trouble with God. As, now that maybe not news to us, but, but he got more specific. And he said, the Supreme Court gave this nation a reprieve when Roe v. Wade was overturned. Because God, it's an abomination, the Bible says, to them that shed innocent blood. And God gave this nation a reprieve when that was finally overturned. But now states, states are enshrining abortion in their constitutions. And it'll be on every ballot in the land this next election. And God said to this prophet, if America chooses, they want to shed the blood of the innocent. Tsunamis will come. And this nation will be in trouble and judged from coast to coast. And he said, I don't mind telling you. That's what God told me. So I'm just telling you what God told him. Anyway, and I know it's not all up to us. But as it relates to you, you need to think right about it. You shouldn't be voting for a right to kill your baby. No. Back to this. He said, see, I have given into thine hand Jericho and the king thereof and the mighty men of valor. And then I want you to know, we won't read it, but if you read on, it says that he gave him the battle plan. He gave him the instructions. So here, get this, because time is short. Number one, you need to see. You need to see. And in the seeing, God's going to give you the, now that you see it, he's going to start talking to you about how to get to it. But seeing comes first. I said seeing comes first. This word see in Hebrew is the Hebrew word ra, and it means to see, it means to look, it means to view, it means to become visible, it means to appear or to show oneself. God wants your uh, end, the vision for your life, to show itself, to appear. Amen? It means to perceive, and it is also used at times to describe divine revelation from God. Dr. Vine says this Hebrew word raw means to get acquainted with. <laughs> oh God, oh God, open my eyes. Show me a glimpse. What is it you want for my life? Why am I here? What is it that you have for me to do? And he will, you'll get acquainted. God will help you get acquainted. It means to pull the curtain back. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Dr. Vine says it means to gain understanding. See, we're not supposed to be groping around in the dark. Trying to figure out life. God made Noah see the flood a hundred and some years before it came. God told Abraham, I have made you the father of many nations. And he gave him a vision of his future. 
God gave young man Joseph a dream. An improbable dream. He saw sheaves, each representing his brothers. He was the youngest and hated because daddy loved him best. And in this dream, all the brothers in, represented in the sheaves bowed down to his sheaf, which was stood up. And Joseph told him about, guess what I saw last night? <laughs> and the Bible says they hated him more. Yeah. You go to talking to people about God's dream for your life, don't expect them to be excited. People don't like it when you rise up higher than them. They want to keep you down. But I'm going up. I said, I'm going up. I saw it. You know, one of my first mentors got in the spirit and said, you've preached to four. You'll preach to 40. You'll preach to 400. You'll preach to 4,000. Well, I've done everything except preach to 4,000, but I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm going to preach to 4,000. Maybe we'll have an auditorium that seats 4,000. Praise God. Then Joseph had another dream, and his mom and dad were involved in this dream, and they were bowing down to him too. So he told them, Mom, Dad, you're going to bow down to me one day. And they hated him. Only Joseph entertained the idea and meditated on his heart. But I want you to know, 12, 13 years later, they did exactly that. I said they did exactly that. What happened in the 12 years? Well, <laughs> I love what one minister said. He said, the first thing God's going to do, he's going to give you a vision. And then before God does anything about your vision, he's going to do something about you. Did you hear that? God's going to give you a vision, but before he does anything about your vision, he's going to do something about you. And he spent 12 years humbling Joseph, training Joseph, uh, you know, watching to see how he would respond when people did unjust things to him. And all that time in jail, in prison, as a slave, he kept his heart right. He kept his heart pure. He passed the test. And God promoted him to the second most position in all the world as the prime minister of Egypt. And when his family was dying of hunger in the wilderness, they all came and were glad to bow down before their brother and son. It came to pass. And God showed Joseph ahead of time. But just understand between what he shows you and the fulfillment of it, God's going to have to deal with you and me. Ha ha. When the, uh, when the man named Saul, who was persecuting Christians on the road to Damascus, when the glory of God knocked him off his donkey, and Jesus said, you want some of this? You want to keep messing with me and my people? You want some of this? He was smart. He said, Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do? Right from the beginning, Jesus said to Ananias, you tell him what things he must suffer for my sake. You tell him that I have called him to stand before kings. Amen. And to give witness of my gospel. You tell him, you tell him. God told him everything in advance. He gave him the vision. And in Acts chapter 26, you can read about the apostle Paul standing before King Agrippa. And he said, oh, King Agrippa, all this happened to me exactly the way God showed it to me in the beginning, and I have not been disobedient to the heavenly vision. 
That vision will define your life. It will propel you. It will anchor you. Praise God. Let me close. Let me close by giving you a few things. How does God impart vision? Now, I'm going to have to come back on Wednesday and really get into the weeds on this because of time. But let me give you at least the points to you. How does God impart vision? Well, God imparts vision through sight. God imparts vision through making you see. Well, who does God make to see something? Let me, let me give you this. Number one, it's God makes those see who are interested. If you're not interested, you won't see. If you're indifferent about your calling and living for God, you're not interested, He's not going to show you. Why would He? I said, why would He? These are precious things. If you don't count your destiny, the reason for your very existence, worth talking to Him about, He's not going to show you. And you can just pay bills till you die. That, that'll, be, that'll be your life. Pay bills till you die. Not me. Not me. Not me. Mm-mm. Nope, not me. My life's going to count for something. I made a mess of my life, but my life from then on is going to count for something. So as an example, you remember the day that Moses was a fugitive. He was a shepherd out on the mountainside. Being a shepherd to his father-in-law's flock. And all of a sudden God says, I'm going to do something to see if this guy's interested. So he makes a lone bush start to burn. We'll get into it when we have more time. Exodus chapter 3. And you know, a dry bush on a mountain, it just goes, whoom, it burns. And it's over, it's done. But the burn, the, the burn kept burning and the bush did not consume. It just burned. And he goes... And the Bible says that Moses turned aside to look. He turned aside to look. We'll get into it uh, again later, but it specifically says that when God saw that Moses turned aside to look, he spoke. So God, you know, the Holy Spirit is in you. You know that he's in you, and one of the ways he speaks is in pictures. Right? And he'll give you an inward picture of your future, what you could be, what you could have, what you could accomplish. God makes, he imparts vision through seeing, but he only helps people see who are interested. Number two, how does God impart? How does God impart vision? Number two, through meditation and pondering the scriptures. You know, Jesus, he was the son of God. He is the son of God. When he was on the earth, he had to find out who he was. He discovered who he was. One of the ways he discovered who he was in his mission, the mission for his life was he meditated in the scriptures. And as he meditated in the scriptures, the Holy Spirit said, that's you. That Isaiah 53 guy talking about you, Jesus. Uh, born of a virgin, remember what mama told you? She never been, that's you, Jesus. Vision for his life was imparted to Jesus. 
as he meditated in the scriptures. You will find your true self in the scriptures. He will show you who you are. That's another way that, medit- uh, that uh, vision from God is imparted. Number three, vision is imparted as we make plans. Did you know the Bible says that you're supposed to make plans? So if I were to catch you, and I won't, but if I were to catch each one of you on the way out the door and I said, what is your plan? What is your plan? What are you trying to make happen? What is your vision? If you couldn't tell me in a very concise way, right off the top of your head, you're not where you should be. And that's okay. A lot of people aren't, but just get to work. Get to work. Let me give you a scripture. Going into 2024, you're supposed to make plans. You're supposed to set goals. Proverbs 16, 9 says this. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. So I want you to see here, uh, this is not a... uh, Uh, one against the other. You can plan your way, but God's against you. He's going to direct your steps. No, this it's not a it's not a contrary verse, it's a complementary verse. As my heart plans my way, God involves himself in my planning. God works in my heart. God directs my steps as I make plans. Now there's a qualifier here. Is your heart really submitted? Because just because you make a plan doesn't mean that God was in your plan. You probably found that out. Amen. But when your heart is, I want what you want, Father. And you're communing with God. And you're inviting Him into your life. And you want to know from that place of surrender and sincerity, as you make plans from your heart, He's going to get in that. Let me give you the New Living. Uh, yeah, it's actually the Living Bible. It translates this verse this way. We should make plans counting on God to direct us. I love that. We are to make plans counting on God to direct us. So it's okay, you who are tongue talkers and led by the Spirit, to make a plan. You're supposed to. I said you're supposed to. So I have much more to say about that, but we'll wait. And then the last one here, God imparts vision by divine revelation. By divine revelation. There came a day, I was still in college. I was, uh, I was dating Amber at that time. I got filled with the Holy Ghost at Kenneth Hagin's, uh, well, around this time of year, we went to see the Christmas lights and Pastor Hagin Jr. preached a message and my wife elbowed me out in the aisle and said, tonight's your night. You're going to talk in tongues if you're going to go home with me. That's what she said. She said, you don't get to go home to Oklahoma City with me if you don't talk in tongues tonight. So she elbowed me out. No, she didn't really do that. But she did elbow me out in the aisle. And I walked down there and I got filled with the Holy Ghost. So I started talking in other tongues. And as I did, all the desires and plans that I had made for my life went in my heart. They all just went like, a, like somebody slashed my tire. I mean, I wasn't an unfocused person. I had a dream and a goal and I was pursuing it. And the desire just died in me after I got filled with the Spirit. So that's the first thing that happened. All my desires died. And I'm like, what do I do? This is a new place for me. I don't know what to do. But as I continued to pray in tongues, 
uh, an upwelling of desire came in my heart to preach. You want to talk about left field? You should have known me back then. So I always went to my mama first about anything hard because even though she was carnal and not born again, she was merciful to me. So I went and told her that I'm not doing this anymore and I'm going into ministry. And she was mad at me. She just did not like that. So I go, well, time to tell my dad. So I went to tell my dad. And my dad goes, I knew that. He's always like anticlimactic. Have you ever know Lee Cody? <laughs> nothing, nothing lights his candle, you know? <laughs> nothing just excites him. I go, Dad, I got news. What is it? I'm not going to be a radiation therapist. I'm going into the ministry. He goes, I knew that. <laughs> I said, you knew that? He said, yeah, I was in the garage. You were about six years old. I was working on something in the garage. You ran up to me. You were just playing. You ran up to me and said, Dad? And I went, yeah. He said, I'm going to grow up and be a preacher. I said, you didn't tell me all this time. He said, I just thought I'd let you figure it out. Vision is imparted by divine revelation. And he's given you the means. You can't make it happen, but he's given you the means to set the atmosphere by which it will happen. And that is speak, pray in other tongues. If you want to know more about your future, spend time quieting your mind and pray in the Spirit. Because 1 Corinthians 14 verse 2 says, He that speaks in an unknown tongue does not speak unto man, but unto God, howbeit in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. Amplified says divine secrets with God. The secrets of your life. You can pull back the curtain by spending time praying in other tongues. Well, did you get some help this morning? Do you have a vision? You're going to get a vision? Amen. Hallelujah. Aren't you excited there is one to know there, that God has got a script? He's not, you're just not, uh, oh, what are we going to do with Chris? You know, that guy, he showed up. He showed up with Chris. What are we going to do for him? We better come up with something for him. That's not how it went, brother. Before your mom and dad took their first breath, he knew you. He said, this is what I'm going to write this down in this book. Chris is going to do this. He's going to, this year, he's going to do that. And my anointing's going to come on right here. And then he's going to meet this person. And this is just going to be great. It's all written. But you've got to want to read the book. You've got to want to read the book of the Holy Ghost about your life. Amen. Stand up with me if you would. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.